You are listening to the Progress Your Health Podcast, episode 41. Welcome to the Progress Your Health Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progress Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Uh, so on today's episode, we're going to talk about uh, something that we actually see quite often, kind of flies below the radar, and it was just a pattern that we both have noticed probably over the last 10 years or so. It really does get missed an awful lot. Today, we're going to talk about uh, what does it mean when you have on your lab test, when you have slightly elevated liver enzymes? Um, this is a you know, a question that do, that we see a lot. Most people don't know really what to, you know, really to ask the question because it kind of gets blown off as a as an ins- insignificant finding. So pretty much all doctors will test and will do a blood test called a comprehensive metabolic panel. And on there is your blood sugar, your kidney function. It'll have your electrolytes, your calcium in your blood, but it also has your liver enzymes on there. And, and it's one, I mean, all of you listening have probably had it, if not once, probably many, many times, because it's probably one of the most common lab tests that doctors check just to kind of screen for things. But two of the um, tests are, are two of the indices on there is the AST and the ALT. So those are liver enzymes. So every time a liver cell dies, because you know all cells are turning over at a certain rate, but every time they die, they release these liver enzymes, the AST and the ALT. Now, if you have a lot of liver cell death, you'll see those levels elevated. Sure, if you've got hepatitis or cirrhosis, they're high. They're super high. Or even Epstein-Barr virus, they will be very, very high. But when they're slightly elevated, a lot of times docs are like, oh, you know, don't worry about it, or we'll check we'll check it again. They really kind of blow it off. And when we say slightly elevated, they have these reference ranges. So the AST is 10 to 35 um, units per liter. And then there's, you know, ALT is 6 to 29. I mean, that's the common, you know, common with Quest. I mean, other labs are a little bit different, but that's pretty much the reference range there. You know, AST up to 35 and then ALT to 29. And so when we mean slightly elevated, that means that they're less than 100. You Usually you'll see them maybe around, you know, 49, 60 to, you know, even around 35 to 60. Yeah, right. And that's, uh, and that is not high enough to really catch anybody's attention except our attention. We see that over and over and over. And sure enough, uh, what you'll also see at the same time in a lot of cases is, and this is how it gets discovered incidentally, is a woman will start having gallbladder problems, right? Women have gallbladder problems. Men have gout right? They're kind of the, they kind of manifest for the same reason, but they're fairly gender specific. Men don't usually have gallbladder problems as frequently as women. Uh, women, you know, routinely have gallbladder problems. So they go into the emergency room because it's, you know, they went out to dinner, seven, eight o'clock, they come home, it's midnight to two in the morning. They're excruciatingly, uh, in, in some excruciatingly strong pain. They think they're dying. Their husband takes them to the emergency room. They do an ultrasound and they say, oh, oh, you know, you have gallstones. Oh, by the way, you have fatty liver. And they schedule, you know, they recommend they get scheduled for surgery right away to get their gallbladder removed. We don't really believe in that idea. You don't really need to have your gallbladder removed. Now, granted, if you're having some intense pain, that's one thing. If you have a 
obstructed stone, you know, uh, that is uh, obstructing your common bile duct, that can be potentially a, a medical emergency. But even those types of things don't happen very often. It's just really more about being in pain. And when it comes to surgery, they can't remove your liver. So they, you know, they just by default want to take out your gallbladder. But what that means, that gallbladder problem means that you have a liver problem. And really what the real problem is that you have that fatty liver uh, disease process in, in place. That's what needs to be focused on. But they completely disregard it. Uh, and they focus on something that is a result of having the liver problem in the first place. And the liver is a really powerful organ. I mean, it can take a beating and keep going. I mean, it's very, very resilient. So when you see those liver enzymes starting to creep up, you know that there's something going on in that liver because it is such a powerful, you know, organ for us. I mean, I, you know, we all know people or maybe in some time in our life where we've kind of beat up our liver a little bit and you and you get some and I'd have patients where they're they're scared to get their blood work done because they're afraid of their liver enzymes or they're afraid of their liver function. And I'm like, it's perfect. It's great. And they can't they can't believe it because it's such a strong organ. So when you see those liver enzymes slightly elevated, you you can't ignore it. You know, you know something's percolating or something's going to happen or going to go the wrong way if you don't focus in on it. Yeah. Uh, so what we're talking about is uh, fatty liver disease. When you see those uh, uh, slightly elevated liver enzymes, so as you said, the reference ranges go up to 35 for the uh, AST, up to 29 for the ALT. When they're in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, kind of somewhere in that slightly elevated range, that if you sent that person in or you've had that, you go in for an ultrasound, not in every case, right? But the majority of the time, those women will already have on an ultrasound, you know, that'll be signs of fatty liver disease. And as we've talked about many, many times, fatty liver disease, the acronym is non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So NAFLD, you know, the incidence right now for that is roughly about 30 to 35 million people across the country have that problem and that nobody is talking about. Nobody is discussing this you know, this major medical issue partially I, I believe is because there's no drug treatment for that, for that uh, condition. If there was a drug like there is for statin drugs, we'd be hearing about fatty liver disease all the time, but because there's no treatment, that's why doctors blow it off because they don't know what to prescribe for it. They're just say, well, let's watch and wait. You know, let's just hope for the best, right? That's the absolute worst thing to do because a problem like that, once it's already in place, it, you know, unless there's some changes or some kind of intervention, It'll always get worse. It never gets better on its own. And just like you had said, you know, a, a big point there is a lot of times when people are thinking about their liver function, they're thinking about alcohol. Like, oh, alcohol is going to, you know, impede on my liver, which, yeah, the liver has to work extra hard when you've been drinking alcohol. But a lot of times with these elevated, these slightly elevated um, AST and ALT, the liver enzymes, it's not because people are drinking alcohol. I mean, I have some people that drink a lot of alcohol and their AST and ALT are perfect. But most of the time when I see it, I'll ask them, you know, just to, you know, hey, are you drinking some alcohol? And I and I believe them because I have a very good rapport with patients and they'll say no, where they'll tell me, oh yeah, I went to my primary care and he asked me how much I drink and I told him I don't. And he just kind of like rolled his eyes and thought I was lying. And I go, I know you're not lying. I know you. I know you don't drink. So the reason those liver enzymes are elevated is not because of alcohol. Yeah, right. Our patients are not uh, collectively; they're not closet closet alcoholics, right? They're not. Uh, they're not. But see, that's the reason is because even for doctors, medical professionals, they only think that liver enzymes go up for two main reasons: for hepatitis and for alcohol consumption. But in reality, this happened. This is happening across the country: thirty to forty million people because of sugar, uh, high fructose corn syrup specifically. 
is a bona fide liver toxin. Uh, it actually has just the same effect on the liver that alcohol does. So you don't even have to drink anything. You know, if you're having Jack Daniels or whiskey or a Coca-Cola, uh, you know, a soda pop that has high fructose corn syrup in it, it's having the exact same effect over time on your liver. Uh, so you're right. You know, we have patients all the time like, you know, I don't really, I don't consume any alcohol and they can't understand why, but it's the sugar. Now, the mechanism that's happening there, and this is the part when it comes to fatty liver that nobody quite understands, but as your insulin keeps going up and up and up, as we talked about before, the liver stop responding to it, the mitochondria get overwhelmed. The, the mitochondria in the liver is how our body processes all this you know, food energy. It gets overwhelmed from all the glucose molecules. And then for whatever reason, your body starts dump, uh, depositing fat cells into your liver cells. Okay, so as you do that, those liver cells die, the liver enzymes go up. Uh, and like I said, once that vicious cycle is in place, unless there's some intervention done, dietarily supplementation, there's no medications for it, right? So if you look up on WebMD or Mayo, they'll say there's no treatment. That means there's no pharmaceutical treatment for that disease. It doesn't mean that there's not some interventions that can be very successful and very helpful and completely reversing a problem like that. Yeah. So um, like I had mentioned, you know, our patients will come in and they'll say my liver enzymes are a little elevated or this number is a little elevated. My doctor thinks I'm a drinker and I'm not. And then they'll also ask them, well, what kind of medications are you on? How much medication are you taking? And I have patients that won't even touch an ibuprofen because they don't want to take medicine. So on a side note, uh, acetaminophen, Tylenol is a little hepatotoxic if you take too much of it or you take it on a chronic basis. But I, you know, and that's what the GP will say. Well, stop taking Tylenol, stop taking Tylenol PM. And they're like, I don't even take an ibuprofen. But it really comes down to the food that we're putting in our mouths, which some people are more sensitive to and others aren't. Like we had always talked about insulin resistance and cortisol and the way that that plays together is some people are way more sensitive to sugar and the effects of foods that have a high glycemic index than other people. Yeah. And what we deem as normal in our society, because we've been living a certain lifestyle for a very long time, those people that are having these issues, fatty liver or whatever, in some ways they're like the canaries in the mine, right? That's the, the example of the person, the genetics of that person that can't handle the, the constant consumption of refined carbohydrates. And we're not even just talking about high fructose corn syrup. We're talking about carbohydrates in general. And I would say probably non-fruit or vegetable carbohydrates. If it's a whole food, right, and we always are talking about whole foods or the, the implied thing when we're talking about dietary changes and anything, uh, we're always uh, assuming that, you know, for most people, that means that 80 to 95% of their diet is whole food based, very little processed food. And then these issues don't usually show up that often. They hardly ever show up. And then that's how you start to reverse them. So then within a matter of a you know, relatively three months to two years, those liver enzymes go away and on follow-up liver uh, ultrasounds, that fatty liver that had been there before, um, actually with the liver will be normal. There'll be no presence of fatty liver disease. That's, that is what's possible. That is definitely a realistic, but unless you know that, unless you know what you're dealing with, right, that, you know, that uh, they won't do anything conventionally until it's really bad. And then they need to give you a pre uh, prednisone or something, right? Because there's nothing they can use in the early stages of that until there's a major problem. Or uh, one of the consequences of fatty liver disease is you develop liver cancer, right? That's not something anybody wants to deal with. Um, so this is a way to prevent a potentially a disaster later. And we see this, and I think there's a definite connection between not being able to lose weight 
and this fatty liver disease process. Unfortunately, like we've just, uh, Dr. Davidson mentioned, the liver is very resilient. It's a very powerful organ. So by the time something shows up on a lab test, then there's probably, there's actually something really going on. Uh, not that that's too late. It's certainly not too late, but those liver uh, tests don't necessarily, they're not sensitive enough to tell us the subtleties that happen in the early stages of a problem like this. And and it is true. So some some doctors will say, oh, your liver enzymes are elevated, go lose weight. They don't realize that when the that liver is burdened, that your metabolism drops in it and you start to gain even more weight. So sure, you can put the correlation between I see high liver enzymes, slightly elevated, not, you know, those numbers aren't over 100, and somebody has a lot of um, weight or maybe more weight in the middle, like the stomach and the back, like more in the torso. I mean, that is that is a common theme, but does it mean that, you know, the weight created the fatty liver or the fatty liver created the weight? It is kind of like a little bit of a chicken and the egg, but ultimately it comes down to that person being more sensitive to foods that have a high glycemic index or that processed carbohydrates, those refined carbohydrates, than somebody else that doesn't. Because we all know one person in our life that can eat junk food and they're still like, you know, skinny and we sort of secretly hate them. No, we love them. But, you know, they are, they're just different. We're all human. You know, we all have, you know, bones and tissue and organs and glands, but we're all really different from each other. So if you have slightly elevated liver enzymes, you probably notice that you also are gaining weight in the middle. And then on a side note is there's probably a pretty good family history of diabetes in your family because that's one thing that we do notice because we're talking about insulin resistance. Insulin resistance over time, especially with those slightly elevated liver enzymes, usually is a hallmark to say, hey, we're going to be looking at diabetes down the road. Let's prevent that. Yeah, right. And that's why we're we're bringing this up because it is in some ways it's kind of like that red flag. It's the it's the notification or the warning sign you get before something really goes wrong. Uh, and unfortunately in medicine, nothing is usually done until there's an exact diagnosis. And doctors never will diagnose someone, not, you know, and we're not diagnosing people with fatty liver disease. We are just noticing a correlation that we see quite often. And like I said, they get diagnosed ironically, you know, through an ultrasound that they had because they're having gallbladder, uh, gallbladder bladder pains. And the fatty liver part kind of gets completely ignored. Like that doesn't even end up in their chart. It doesn't even end up in their chart as a diagnosis that they have fatty liver on, a, on an ultrasound. That is the part that needs to be focused on, not the fact that they have a gallbladder issue. The gallbladder problem is there because they have the fatty liver problem. So long story short, as we've talked about many times, the PCOS uh, spectrum, right? There's a lot. It's not whether you have it or you don't. It's where are you on the severity of a problem like that. And then fatty liver, in some ways, they kind of show up in the same in the same situation. Some women have both problems. They have bona fide PCOS. They have a high DHEA, high testosterone, cysts on an ultrasound on their ovaries, and they have liver, elevated liver enzymes. Uh, so there's kind of two things happening all at once, but they both mean the same thing. They both mean that you have an insulin resistance issue. Yes, women that have been diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome do have a much greater incidence of having fatty liver or slightly elevated liver enzymes. And of course, they are, as we all know, they also have a higher incidence of, of developing diabetes down the road. But you know, with the, you know, with fatty liver, you're right, people 
people blow it off. You know, doctors blow it off until there's, you know, an issue. For me, when I see the fatty liver, it does, and, and I see a lot of patients that, you know, we're working on metabolism and weight loss. So when you see that, we want to work on the liver specifically. And a lot of times what you'll see too is if you look over at their cholesterol, because that's usually taken all the time, you know, I'm sure all of you have had your cholesterol, you know, checked before, is they tend to have a little bit higher or higher, high normal or actually elevated triglycerides. And when you see elevated triglycerides and then you see slightly elevated liver enzymes, but they'll say, my glucose is fine. My glucose is fine. I don't have diabetes. I'm not saying you have diabetes, but you have the perfect recipe that you could cultivate that and it could definitely turn into diabetes. Yeah, right. For a diabetes diagnosis where uh, doctors are always waiting to have that blood sugar to go above a certain range. But these other things that we're talking about uh, honestly, we've diagnosed, you know, kind of uh, prematurely have predicted that someone's going to develop diabetes because of these other indicators well before their blood sugar ever becomes abnormal. Right? But th because doctors are focused on that one number, they either don't test the right things, they don't do a fasting insulin, they don't look at CRP, uh, uh, highly sensitive C-reactive protein, they don't pay attention to their triglycerides in the way that they should. They don't pay attention to the elevated liver enzymes because all those things tell the same story. And then eventually, you know, three years later, four or five years later, their blood sugars finally go above a certain point. And oh, by the way, now you have diabetes. The story has been written for the entire time before that. And that's the part that we see and want to intervene as early as possible in that process. So we can prevent one, that problem getting out of control because the longer it's out of control, the harder it is to solve. And then hopefully preventing, you know, someone coming down with that actual diagnosis of having type 2 diabetes. Yeah. So if you have, you know, slightly elevated liver enzymes and you're not really sure what to do about it, and then maybe even your triglycerides might be a little high normal or a little over the edge of normal in your cholesterol, and you're having some trouble losing weight or especially gaining weight around the middle, I would, you know, and we've done podcasts on insulin resistance, you know, in the past, I would listen to those or research insulin resistance and really work on knowing that carbohydrates are truly like your nemesis. You've just, we love them. They taste good, but they are your nemesis because we want to prevent diabetes. We want to prevent blood pressure will eventually go up. That weight will keep packing on. So we want to, we can see this before it actually happens, which is awesome because then we have all the control. Yeah. And, and when, and you know, of course we're dealing with a lot of people that want to lose weight. So that's why it's not a calorie and exercise problem. It's really not. And that approach for this kind of a problem, which I think is the majority for all the women out there and even the men out there that are struggling to lose weight, they're just, no matter what they do, they can't make those pounds come off. It's because of this problem, right? So it ends up being an insulin liver problem that it ever has been a sedentary problem, right? It's not, it doesn't matter if we sit at a desk all day. It has to do with how our body's responding to the foods we're consuming and the stress we have. Uh, so that's why we're we're telling you to take a different approach than eating less and exercising more. That's not going to necessarily solve this fatty liver issue and uh, and eventually help you lose weight. But if you solve the fatty liver issue, you'll always lose weight. But the problem is that's a little bit easier said than done. It can be very complicated and it can take time uh, because literally what's what needs to happen is you're trying to heal the liver and the liver, those cells in the liver have to turn over uh, and that can take weeks, months, and sometimes years for that process to happen. 
And we've and we've written um, the keto carb cycling program, the KCCP. We have it in our um, content library if you want to download it. But it basically eliminates out a lot of that processed sugar, the processed carbohydrates, and helps take that burden off that liver. That's one of the key comp kind of a a key mechanics to the KCCP is to take the burden off the liver. And 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 you'll see the proof in the pudding because we see this all the time. When I see those li liver enzymes slightly elevated, I mean, I'm not an alarmist, but I say, hey, we got to do something here because we have a pattern. We've got to reverse this. And you can the next time, you know, if they eliminate those carbohydrates, do the KCCP, they do notice when they come back. We usually check it in about four to six months just to make sure. And those liver enzymes are back into normal range. So um, so it can happen. You can do it. Yeah, right. And that's, you're, you're right. The idea or the rationale for, a, for the KCCP or anything like that is in some ways boils down to this exact issue. Once this ball starts rolling downhill, it gains lots of momentum and it becomes a definite physiologic, pathophysiologic vicious cycle. And how do you break that cycle? It's very difficult. So the KCCP is, from our experience over the years, is a way to kind of intervene, do something completely different, and now bringing down that hormonal burden. And then those cells change and modify and the mitochondria start functioning better. I know that's lots of stuff that we don't need to get into right now. It's really complicated and we don't have all the answers. Us or the researchers don't have all the answers, um, but we do see, you know, improvement along these things on these, you know, objective findings. Lab tests get better over time when you when you make these changes. And we all know that we should, you know, eat better or take better care of ourselves. And 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 I don't want anybody to beat themselves up, but sometimes it's hard to get started. Like, you know, oh yeah, I'll get started on Monday or I'll start at the first, or, you know, I'll start tomorrow or, you know, it's just hard to get started. And sometimes when you don't have a plan, you don't end up starting it. So absolutely go, you know, go to our website and go into the content library. We have the KCCP. It's free. You download it. We have, you know, it's kind of wordy because I like to write and, you know, talks about your metabolic hormones. But towards the end, there is, you know, a a place to start. It tells you this is what you can go buy and this is what you can start tomorrow. And it's probably things that you everybody knows, but it might give you a little inspiration or some food for thought so we can get on this on this plan. And honestly, you know, check go ahead, check have your doctor check or, or order your own blood work and check your liver enzymes. That way you have a place to start from and then after you've done the KCCP for about 4 months, then you can check it again and you'll see, and you will see improvement in all those areas. Yeah. Now, if you really wanted to really investigate and really have all the answers, if you do have or have had elevated liver enzymes in the past and you're curious, you could request from your doctor a liver, a liver ultrasound. Uh, we don't do that very often because we're just assuming when we see those liver enzymes elevated, we're just making an assumption that that problem is there because we see it so frequently. So we don't just run off and send everybody to an ultrasound. If they stay elevated after we've made some intervention, then we might right? Because we want to see what's going on and you know, you know, kind of you know, track the, the progress or the resolution of a problem like that. But just because you have, have had liver enzymes elevated in the past, don't, you don't need to go rush to your doctor to get an ultrasound. Just know that, that there's a strong correlation that that problem might be there and it's time to make a change. Uh, and then if anything, you do it after the fact, or maybe never do it at all. If they come back in a normal range, you feel better. Uh, we talked about another episode, uh, uh, several episodes ago about fatigue, right? This issue is also why people can be really tired because of that mitochondrial dysfunction. You might, might notice that as your weight goes down, your energy improves, your, uh, your lab tests improve, that that problem is reversing itself. And ultimately that's what's most important.
Yeah, so don't, if you do have a little slightly elevated liver enzymes, don't beat yourself up. It's just a sign that your body is talking to you and it's time to, you know, make some changes. So just for, you know, just some things to consider. This is a very, very common problem. We're going to hear more and more about fatty liver disease in the future. The minute that there's a drug for fatty liver, you're going to hear about it everywhere. It's going to be on every commercial or every station, and your doctor is going to want to be testing you for it and is going to try to prescribe it. Whatever they come up with, I would just be a fair warning. Do not take what they prescribe because it's probably not going to work in the way that we want it to work just because there's always kind of a cost-benefit ratio. And this problem can be easily solved in a non-pharmaceutical way, which is the which is the great part. So until next time, I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at progressyourhealth.com.